This evening, as we continue our worship, we're continuing to look at psalms, various psalms, some of which I had written devotionals on earlier on when we weren't meeting together as a, as a church. And this is, happens to be one of those that I'm just now expanding on, but we looked on uh, in the form of a devotional earlier. It's Psalm 121. It's one of those songs of ascent that we've been talking about. Just eight verses. Let's listen to what the Lord has to say to us through this psalm. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can look up to you. And know that you look back at us. Help us to find that assurance even more as we look at Psalm 121 this, this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 121 is actually one of the favorites of mine to use in hospital visits. And it's, it's generally quite fitting Except that one time when I read, he will not let your foot slip, then realized that the person was in the hospital because their foot slipped. That didn't work out so well. But otherwise, Psalm 121 is a great comfort, especially before surgery, with its promise that even while one is asleep with anesthesia, God neither slumbers nor sleeps. Other people like to use this psalm before beginning a trip somewhere because it promises God watching over our coming and our going. And indeed, it is a travel psalm. Uh, More specifically, a pilgrim's song. Songs of ascent were used by pilgrims traveling to Jerusalem for a feast a journey of several days for many of them. And at the end of their journey, they still had this long ascent, and that's why the word ascent, songs of ascent, this ascent up the hill of Mount Zion. It is a bit of a trek, I know, of of taking it. And uh, it's not an easy path. And so they have to lift up their eyes when they see Jerusalem, and they want to. After a journey of maybe several days from wherever they lived, finally to be able to see the temple was a glorious sight. We've been on a different kind of journey these past number of months, and I think the psalm speaks to that kind of journey as well. It starts with the image of uplifted eyes. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The many themes that make this a psalm of comfort 
in a hospital room have also made it quite suitable for those who travel. There's a lot of images. Not letting your foot slip. That was important for pilgrims as they made their way through Israel with all its uh, unlevel paths and rocky trails. Keeping you from all harm. Watching over your coming and going. And so people throughout the ages have used this psalm as they are traveling. David Livingstone, the famous missionary and explorer of the continent of Africa, read Psalm 121 along with Psalm 135, which is a, a psalm praising God for his rule over everything, even the African continent, as he prayed with his family before setting out to explore that dark continent in 1840. Admiral J.S. Watson of the U.S. Navy found verses 7 and 8 in particular especially meaningful for his travel across the seas. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. William Edwards, a, a British magistrate, caught in the Indian mutiny of 1857. That's when the British had the rule over, the, uh, over India and the Indians... Um, mutinied against them, and he had to hide, and he hid out for, for months. And at one point he wrote, Nothing new has been settled about our plans. We are much harassed. Heavy guns were fired at Tarakabad today. We know not for what cause, but they reminded us painfully of our fearful proximity to that place where so many are thirsting for our lives. Amidst it all, the Psalms are most con consoling and wonderfully suited to our cause, especially the 121st. I will lift mine eyes to the hills, from whence cometh our help. That image of lifting one's eyes to the hills is initially, at least, the whole idea of looking up to the temple in Jerusalem as you're on the on that pilgrim's feast. That, that was God's home and throne on earth, and people longed to be there as we hear that longing throughout the Psalms. Over the years, it also has come to us kind of as an image of prayer. We can lift our eyes to God in the heavens and to Jesus at the right hand of God who intercedes for us. But initially, it was a pilgrim song and a pilgrim idea of looking up to the temple. As the pilgrim nears the central mountain range in the holy city of Jerusalem, he lifts his eyes up. But not just physically, we're told that he lifts his eyes up with a, a question and a confession. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That was their confession. My help comes from the Lord. Whatever's going on in my life, whatever's going on around me, my help comes from the Lord because he's the maker of heaven and earth. It reminds me of a similar question and confession that we may be more familiar with. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. He's fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life 
and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. How often we read that first question answer of the Heidelberg Catechism at funerals. But it's really a comfort for life, even in the time of coronavirus. So is this the confession we can make at this time, even in our times of questioning? Whoever anyone else is looking toward for help at this time, and people are looking all kinds of different directions, our help ultimately is in the Lord. Charles Spurgeon wrote, The purposes of God, the divine attributes, the immutable promises, the covenant ordered in all things and sure, the providence, predestination, and proved faithfulness of the Lord, these are the hills to which we must lift our eyes. And from these, our help must come. Do we go through life with uplifted eyes? If we do, then the rest of the psalm tells us that God also sets his eyes on us. It's not just a psalm about, what, about uplifted eyes on our part, but about watching eyes on God's. The psalmist goes on, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by might. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and and forevermore. Here's another image beyond the uplifted eyes, an image that we must not miss, and in fact, the psalmist makes it, makes it so clear we cannot miss it. Six times we read the word watch, or in one case it's the word keep, but all of them are the same Hebrew word shamar. Shamar alludes to a watchman over a city, guarding and protecting it while it's People sleep comfortably inside. Look what the Lord promises if we have uplifted eyes to Him. When we lift our eyes to Him, He also sets His eyes toward us, first as a faithful watchman, whether guarding a farm field from animals or thieves or, or a city from invading enemies. A watchman was an important person in Israel, he was known for his vigilance, neither nodding off or falling fast asleep. So while you were sleeping, you could rest assured that he was not. Nor has the Lord been sleeping, even during COVID-19 or any other crisis that we may have to deal with in our lives. When a person once asked the the general Alexander the Great, how he could sleep so soundly when he was surrounded by so much personal danger, he replied that Parmenio, his faithful guard, was watching over him. How much more should we sleep when God, who neither slumbers nor sleeps, is guarding us? We can lift up our eyes to him, knowing that his eyes are always watching over us. A second image that comes out is a shade at your right hand. When, when in Israel, 
especially in the sweltering heat of the Judean desert, you quickly learn to find shade, wherever you can find it. Whether it's under the shade of a small bush like this broom tree, that, by the way, is the shade tree of the wilderness. A shepherd could stick his head under there and get just cool enough to preserve his life whether it's under the shade of a a broom tree or a towering rock, which is also how the Psalms depict God, it's amazing how just a little bit of shade can take the edge off and give you relief and, in fact, perhaps save your life. Sunstroke was a real danger in the desert culture. But then there's that rather enigmatic phrase, and the moon by night. Okay, we understand how the sun attacks us with its heat during the day, but what's the deal with the moon at night? Well, in ancient times, it was thought that as the sun was the source of heat that attacks by day, so the moon was the source of cold that attacks by night. And if you've ever been in a desert, you know that as hot as it gets during the day, it gets almost as cold during the night. And the cold can be just as dangerous if you're not prepared for it as the hot. One of the things I, just as an aside here, this is a freebie, I won't charge you for it. When I was in Israel, one of the things that that kind of got to me as we were making our way through the Judean wilderness up toward Jerusalem was I was looking at these Bedouin tents out in the desert. And they were made of like dark brown or black material, maybe camel hair or or whatever it was, really thick. And I thought, that's the last thing you want in a desert is something dark. You're supposed to wear light stuff. And then I found out it was because they don't go in the tents during the day and the tent accumulates enough heat to keep them warm at night, to guard against the cold of the desert. So that's kind of what's going on here. The, The Cold, whether cold or heat, both have their own dangers. Maybe for us during the coronavirus pandemic and any other time in our lives, troubles came at us like hot and cold from both sides. It's like you've got to protect against the heat, you've got to protect against the cold. Maybe we had to deal with saying, what do we do? Huh? Should I take the risk of going to work? Or take the risk of losing my job or losing my hours because I'm not quite sure if I should go there and risk my health. Should I be all concerned about security or should I be wanting to fellowship with others and socialize with others? Should I be all about protecting my neighbor or fending for myself? There have been lots of these back and forth issues. None of them either necessarily right or wrong, but just the dangers that come from both sides at us. But we're reminded that nothing either of the day or the night can harm us if God is keeping guard. Regardless of the issues that we're dealing with, He is our shade, covering us against every danger, whether the visible perils of the day or the invisible perils of night. The third picture we get of God is as an eternal keeper. So now here we get a deeper meaning for the word shamar that the NIV thankfully recognizes. So it translates it, he keeps. Same word, but he he keeps. This moves us beyond just watching to acting. 
God's not just watching us. He is proactive in taking care of us. He actively protects or keeps us. And not just for the particular journey we're talking about now. All our comings and goings are underneath his watchful and protective eye, both now and forevermore. As the Catechism reminds us in the first question and answer, we are assured not just for this life, but also for eternity. Paul discovered this in his life. That's why he wrote that great doxology in the middle of the letter to the Romans, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, even coronavirus or whatever else, cancer, whatever else comes our way, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now it's not that troubles will never come to a Christian. We know better than that. Eugene Peterson wrote, The Christian life is not a quiet escape to a garden where we can walk and talk uninterruptedly with our Lord, not a fantasy trip to a heavenly city where we can compare blue ribbons and gold medals with others who have made it to the winner's circle. The Christian life is going to God. In going to God, Christians travel the same ground that everyone else walks on, breathe the same air, drink the same water, shop the same stores, read the same newspapers, are citizens under the same government, pay the same prices for groceries and gasoline, fear the same dangers, are subject to the same pressures, get the same distresses, are buried in the same ground. And just to pause here a moment, that's true of us as we deal with this pandemic and all of the different responses to it. We're all in this together. Christian or not? The question is, what's our perspective on it? Eugene Peterson goes on, the difference is that each step we walk, each breath we breathe, we know we are preserved by God. We know we are accompanied by God. We know we are ruled by God. Therefore, no matter what doubts we endure, what accidents we experience, the Lord will preserve us from evil. He will keep our lives. You know, as we've witnessed the various reactions through the months, especially early on to the pandemic, we've seen some interesting extremes. Some were petrified and pacified in their homes. Others were indignant and in denial out in the streets. As Christians, we need to strike a balance. We need to know troubles will come but no trouble is bigger than God. We have faith that the Lord will protect us. Especially during a time of pandemic, we see the need for God. There's nothing like having a desert time in your life to realize that we cannot live without his presence. But even with masks on, we can have uplifted eyes. And we can claim the promises for those with uplifted eyes that as we look up to God, he looks at us. He watches us without slumbering. He protects us 
guards us from the scorching desert heat and promises, and this promise is not just for life right now, but it's a promise forevermore. Thank God that he's a God who watches over and keeps us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your watching and and keeping in our lives. And we pray that we might not take that for granted, but that we might seek to, to live accordingly and to show the world what it means to live in trust in you, even as we seek to love our neighbors. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Martin Luther learned that truth early on in his time as a monk when he was terrified, terrified of anything that might happen that might come his way until he really understood the truths of passages like passages in Romans and in Psalms about God's guidance. And he wrote a song to that end, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. I invite you to join me as we sing that. Sing the four stanzas and let's stand to sing.